You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. a garden it's not it's a train station really one flight up and you're on the fabled parquet floor now before you get all misty-eyed about the parquet take a closer look bleep you this is this is our way yes loud stevens is pretty smart and knows what he's doing that three and d roll oh it's the t-league if I had uh, Antoine Walker's body, I'd be an all-star. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the Banners Broadcast, the official podcast of Celtics Blog. With me today, a usual suspect on our show, Alex Kungu. Hello, man. Looking a little tired there. <laughs> hey, man. Law school, man. It's a, it's a struggle sometimes. It's a real struggle. Let's get right into it, because it hasn't been a struggle for the Celtics to start this year, but... After 14 straight wins, now 15 straight wins. It's interesting. Brad Stevens ripping into his team after every single game. It's an interesting topic because this win streak has been awesome. We're loving it. It's been incredible to watch. 15 straight wins going on that 19 straight win streak they broke off on in 2009, which was the last time they won a win streak this long. They had a 27-2 start then, 15-2 to start this year, but... Brad Stevens isn't happy, and uh, it's coach talk. I know he said after that game that we haven't played well enough, said the win streak is invalid, which had a lot of people laughing. I think he's on to something there. What do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, it's easy to just look at the wins and, and just look at the results and go, okay, like, this is a team that's on the rise. We're moving. We're going steady. Like, this is good. But I do think what Stevens is kind of referring to a little bit is the fact that, for one, we have not seen, like, just a consistent offensive production from the Celtics. They're, they're still one of the worst, like, shooting teams in the league. They're one of the worst at finishing at the rim still. They are, they are taking shots at the right place, but we've yet to see them have, like, a game where consistently they're being able to put the ball in the basket. So I think maybe what Stevens is referring to is the fact that because we haven't really seen this team, like, completely – find themselves on both ends of the court despite the results there's still places where we can get better yeah and they've been winning games shooting 40 percent shooting uh 33 percent which was the lowest shooting percentage in a win in two years as jay king pointed out and uh that shooting percentage as a whole has been low all year it's amazing the games they've won shooting as low as they have that charlotte win too you look at the last five wins ending on that hawks win yesterday as we record this 
they were all shaky, shaky games. 17-point comeback against the Warriors. That looked in doubt early. The Hawks game, they were down by 15 in. And it's really been these first halves that have given this team trouble. What do you think the difference has been in the first half and the second? Yeah, I mean, I think so far, well, for the Warriors, I mean, it's the Warriors. I don't, the Celtics have never seen that type of offensive power the entire this entire streak and Jason Tatum looked like a rookie Brown looked lost a couple times the Warriors are the one team where it's kind of like you guys understand like we get it this time but I think with the team like the Hawks they've they always play as tough um they're also another well-coached team and what it looks like is I mean like these teams are coming for us like this is a 15 game win streak where the talk of the NBA and team when teams are playing us they know like we need to get after these guys and I think what we're seeing a lot of the times is these guys, these teams are coming out and swinging first, and then what usually happens is as the Celtics settle down, as Stevens kind of figures out how he wants to attack the team, you start to see them progressively start to shut down these teams more. Their shots are going a little bit, and then when the games get tight, we have a guy like Kyrie Irving who draws so much attention and essentially leaves guys like Brown and Tatum these great open looks that, you know, for the most part this year they've been able to convert. So I do think it's kind of a combination of teams coming out hard and also the Celtics having a chance to see what the team is doing and Stevens coming in with a plan to counter that. Kyrie Irving's been an interesting case to start this year. We're talking about a team that's on a roll. Not a whole lot to complain about wins and losses-wise, but if you're nitpicking, there's plenty that we can dig into. And I feel like Irving's been the exact same case to start this year yeah he's been great he's drawing a lot of national praise as he always does just kind of seems to be a given with him no matter what he's doing but uh he's made concerted efforts on the defensive end his passing game has been strong i feel like but it hasn't been volcanic if you know what i mean there hasn't been an overwhelming impact from him in the fourth quarter there's certainly been explosions last night against atlanta a fantastic finish for him. In fact, he was perfect down the stretch in that fourth quarter. Six for six, I think. So what's been your uh, impression of Irving so far? Because I feel like there's a lot to be desired with him. He's not attacking the way he once did, I feel like. But he's also really helped this team play within itself. I feel like he's made an effort to get everyone else involved. Is there more? Is Could they be getting something more from him? Because like you talked about in the opener, they haven't been that impressive as an offensive squad. And that's something they need to do if they're going to have East Finals hopes, maybe even NBA Finals hopes. Yeah, so from Irving, I think the one thing that sticks out is that his shooting has been way below his career from three and from the field specifically. So you do imagine that as the season progresses and as he continues to get more and more comfortable in the system, that maybe some of those shots start to fall for him. It is a little weird because I feel myself doing this maybe as like a fan, is that we were so used to Isaiah just, it felt like he never missed when we really needed it at all times. And he was always a consistent offensive threat. And I feel like sometimes when you when you watch Irving, you want to see that. And then he has these moments where like he misses consecutive <laughs> shots and like you can feel it in the fan base. Everyone's like, oh, these, these are shots we're used to seeing people make all the time. And I think sometimes that leads us to think that he's not doing as well as like he should be. But it's like for what he's been going through so far, I think being in a new offense, um, going through a whole training camp with a Gordon Hayward, expecting to be played in like a certain way, then all of a sudden you're given instead uh, Marcus Morris as a starter, and that's another star that's that you lost. So now all of a sudden it's, you have to be able to just play it in a more aggressive style or like more of the pressure is now on you. So what I think we're seeing is kind of Irving 
learning to kind of adjust. This is kind of not the team he was expecting to coming into training camp. But I think so far he's, you know, he's trusting the system. I think he's still getting good looks, and I think it's only a matter of time before he starts converting on them. Yeah, and what I keep saying, it's hypocritical out of me because I didn't want to see the isolation game out of him here. I didn't want to see him trying to take over at all times. And now I'm kind of going back the other way. Like, it's gone so far to the other end, I feel like, where he is just always trying to make that pass. He gets into the teeth of the defense, and you'll just see him throw it between his legs out to the perimeter. And you know, we're seeing that assertive, dynamic Irving presence in the late portions of these games. I mean, he's 58% in the clutch this year from the field. Eight assists, 55 points in just 30 minutes. So you're looking at like 66 points per 36 in that stretch, almost 10 assists. And uh, down the stretch of these games, we're seeing it. He's able to go out there one-on-one and close it out. Draymond Green, the way he took him on in the final minutes of that game and then got those two free throws. There's definitely been a difference in his approach at the start of these games versus at the end of these games. Um, I do think at the end of the game, this is kind of you can kind of see it in him. There's more of like an energy um, when he feels the games are getting tight and it kind of becomes a half court game. That's kind of more where you see him start to become more aggressive and start taking the hole and look for his own offense. Whereas I feel he's telling himself in the beginning of the games, okay, I, I need to get my guys involved. I need to run the offense. I think when it comes what as he calls it winning time i think he decides like now is the time where i need to put the game on my back and i think that's kind of what we've seen is that he's looking for his offense more down the stretch and that's kind of why we've been seeing that offensive production late in games now here's my big question for you personally do you feel like they need him to be that more assertive more aggressive Irving? i mean we'd probably see it if brad stevens felt that way but it, I, there is something missing from this offense, it feels like. Maybe it is just Gordon Hayward, and he's that shot maker they needed to be consistent, to be efficient as an offense. But uh, you still have one superstar here in Irving, a uh, superstar role man in a sense in Horford. I mean, he's not going to be the guy taking over on a regular basis shot making wise. But when it comes to just putting the ball in the net, does does he have to be that guy? Um, yeah, for sure. I do think that there, there's going to be, there's going to come a time where we need to put the ball in his hands and he is trying to create. Um, I'm not, but I don't think right now is that time because right now we're still so early in the regular season. We're still so early with guys still getting their feet wet to NBA games. Like Jason Tatum hasn't even played 20 NBA games yet. He hasn't even seen every team in the NBA. We have a lot of guys. Yeah. So, I mean, we have a lot of guys that are still trying to get their feet wet. So I do understand the need to like kind of be patient and let him just run the course. But I do think, like you said, in those big-time matchups, like when we're in the playoffs, for instance, or like when we have these games against big teams like the Wizards, Raptors, Cavaliers, you'd, you'd like to see him be more assertive because we will need him in those type of games. That's the word on Irving. We'll see where he goes from here. Some interesting stats on him. 11 of the last 15 versus the Warriors scored in that game. And uh, pretty much comparing his relationship with Brad Stevens to that of a driving school teacher at this point. Just uh, always weird anecdotes with her. It's just an endless string of strange quotes from him, I feel like. Something that's not strange that you should check out that is very fun this year. And something that's going to be favorable for you to get in on this basketball season is DraftKings. Listen up, Hoop fans. Basketball season's back. 
And now your favorite hardwood heroes return to action. We're getting a month into the season now at this point. And uh, it's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test and win huge cash prizes every night. One day fantasy, Alex, we've all heard about it at this point. DraftKings is just a million different ways to play. You can choose public contests with huge cash prizes or get in on private contests to just go head-to-head -head with your friends, get that classic fantasy feel. So there's a million different ways you can do it over at Dra DraftKings. People have won thousands of dollars doing this thing, so it's just that fun of fantasy with money on the line. CLNS, CLNS Media, giving you a special offer code to get going with DraftKings this basketball season. Just use the code CLNS at DraftKings.com to play free with your first deposit. And you're going to get in on a chance to win $10,000. That'd be nice. Pay off some of your student loans with that. And uh, that's just tonight. So don't wait. Use the code CLNS at DraftKings.com now to choose your lineup. And you can seriously win cash tonight. That's CLNS only at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Let's get back to our basketball chat, Alex, because Marcus Morris is back. I feel like we haven't talked enough about him yet because he's been good. Uh, he has been very, very good for this team. Looking at his stat sheet so far, 47% from the field. That's a career best from him. Only 81 attempts, but you're getting up to that 100 where you're really starting to see a bigger sample size there. 40% from three, also career high. And when I first saw him take the court for this team this regular season, I was like, all right, this guy's wild. He's just throwing up shots all over the place where the guys are right on him, whether there's heavy pressure inside, he's just letting it fly outside. Knew coming in he wasn't going to shy away from taking threes, but he's hitting them. So, I mean, is there much to complain about with Morris's approach? What's your impression of him so far? Because I feel like he's only helped the team with his shooting. Coming into the year, I, I wasn't sure what to expect. The way I saw it was that maybe he would be the guy that was the scorer in the second unit and maybe at times take minutes away from a guy like Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. So I was very skeptical of what to expect. But with the, with the injury of Hayward, it's kind of turned into us needing him and needing that production and needing a guy who's going to hunt out his own offense. So, I mean, right now he's shooting 40% from three. He's taking maybe a little bit too many long twos, but at this stage, like, we kind of need any offense we can get right now, and I think his scoring um, punch has been very much needed for this offense. Yeah, I like that point about the long twos. It's almost the opposite of what we expected from Jason Tatum because he was taking those shots in college, and now he's been the one moving out to that three-point range. They pretty much switched roles in that sense. What do you feel about his defense? I mean, he's a 97 defensive rating to start this year, so he's been right in play with that dominant team defense as a whole. He had a really nice play. One of my favorite plays of the year, that chase down block on Green down the stretch of that Warriors game. Big basket. They were down 13, saved an easy two or maybe an and one right there if you followed them. So that was a big play in the stretch of that game that got them back over there. And uh, there's a lot of different impressions of his defense some people think it comes and goes some people think he's an underrated defender some people just think he's good I, what do you see him as when it comes to defense on this team in particular oh for us i think he's been great he's been switchy he's been versatile um he's picked up the rotations very quickly um he works very well with al horford 
So, I mean, to me, I don't have much complaints. Um, he's had a couple of really good possessions where he's, like, defended guards like Kemba Walker at times. Like you said, he's had that one great chase down block on Draymond Green. Yeah, he's been about as well as you could expect from him. So, I personally don't have any complaints. I think for what he's being asked to do, which is defend, um, hit spot-up shots with the starters, try to find their own offense in the second unit, I think he's done that about as good as we can expect from Marcus Morris. Yeah, and it's still, looking back at that Bradley trade, and we're going to see Avery Bradley a week from the day this podcast drops, which is going to be fun at the Garden. Detroit's been fantastic this year, so it's really been working out for both teams. But they couldn't have done better in that deal. I don't like. We were wondering just how much value they'd be able to salvage for Bradley. And looking at the success of the team this year, Terry Rogier's been fantastic. You save $4 million just about by uh, getting Morris's contract, which is two years, $5 million a year. So you pretty much added Morris and retained Bre- uh, Roger by dumping Bradley, which they were going to have to do anyway. So that couldn't have worked out better for them. Who do you think is more important rotation-wise right now to so- soaring up rotations? Because both Morris and Tatum have been fantastic, and now they're becoming more interchangeable in these lineups, I feel like. If you're really hammering it down to the best five players on the team at the end of the day, is it Tatum or is it... Morris when it comes to those final five to end games you think because Smart's going to be out there as terrible as he's shooting right now yeah it, it does seem like no matter what Smart shoots no matter how many shots he misses how many bad shots he takes he's always going to be a net positive on the court and Brad Stevens trust him so like you said I definitely expect him to be there um, also I expect him to be joined by Irving and Horford obviously and I think so far what we've seen is Brown is going to be someone that's going to close games as well so if we're looking between Tatum and Morris I think right now if you're looking for the long-term approach you do want to go Tatum because chances are Tatum is going to be a member of the Celtics for at least seven years Marcus Morris might not last the summer as good as he's been obviously (laughs) because I mean when Hayward comes back yeah I mean like when Hayward comes back those minutes that he has probably Shemmies are all going to go away so I mean as if if we're looking at trying to build this team for the long-term future you want Tatum to be the one out there closing games but I mean this is also coach Stevens he does not look at um he does not look at lineups the way we do in terms of long-term approaches. He's looking at what's going to help my team win right now. So I do think also at this stage of the game, we might just see whoever has a hot hand, whoever is playing good in that game might be the one that closes it. So long-term Tatum, but as of right now, it's probably a toss up depending on how the guys are progressing throughout the game. And the plus minus game is so fun with this team. Just looking at it flow on a night to night basis, trying to make sense of the math of this team is just completely wild because they're not scoring, but they're not giving up a lot either. So they are just winning these gritty, grind out games right down on the buzzer, especially over the last five, like we talked about. And uh, kind of the epitome of that has been Marcus Smart. He is not hitting anything this year. 41 of 150, 27% from the field. Probably his worst shooting stretch to date, as bad as he's been throughout his whole career. But he's plus 119, which is 16 points better than Kyrie Irving on the season. And uh, he's he's top three on the team right there with Horford and Jalen Brown, who is number one in plus minus here. So uh, everyone's been looking for an answer to this. But uh, how is Smart helping them so much when he's on the court? Why are they so much better when he's out there, even though... He has games like 0 for 7 against the Warriors. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know why this has just become a topic on NBA Twitter. This has been the Marcus Smart story ever since he's been in the NBA, which is, you know. But this, that, is, that, the low. this is the lowest we've seen when it comes to his shot, I feel like. I, I think so. But I think what we've seen is that the plus minus stat is very much a team statistic. And it's very much who else you have on the floor. And sometimes those, those things could affect you greatly, like the way it affects Jalen Brown out the starters. Sometimes it skews it and makes it look different based on like someone's overall production so with that being said what i think we're seeing in marcus smart is that though he he himself is not a productive player offensively he provides so much on defense and then on top of that offensively as uh matt moore cbs sports uh highlighted he's able, yeah he's <laughs> he's able to handle the one and he's able to play within the flow of the offense to the point where he's not you know breaking the rhythm of the offense if you look at a guy like andre robertson from okc one thing you'll notice is that when he gets wide open shots he passes them up and what happens is that it shrinks the offense and it makes it harder for the other guys to score so smart even though he is missing those shots he's playing in rhythm and he's still driving and he's still creating all these opportunities. So even though he himself is not scoring the ball well, he's still having an overall positive effect on the offense because he still plays within the system and because he's still able to create for others at a high level. We all expected that shot to get a little bit better this year. The shot's always a topic of conversation with him. And in the preseason, it just looks so good. And I've had a lot of conversations with people about this, and it just seems like he gets out of habits within the flow of these games. Is it ever going to be able to be solved, you think? Or is this just who Smart is at this point? And is this what we're going to have to expect from him? Because, you know, the contract's coming up. We've talked about this again and again on this program. But the guy's so hard to value, I feel like. Like, there's really no one else like him in the league. Andre Robeson's probably a good comparison out in Oklahoma City. But I feel like he brings more to the table than he does when it comes to offense, especially. This is a good passer. This is a good facilitator on offense as bad as his shot is what's the deal gonna be with him at the end of the day is this just who he is at this point yeah so i mean if you're another team looking into the offseason i think that's something that you do have to struggle with because you don't want to throw max money at a guy who for four years has shown you that he's not an nba shooter and i think what a lot of teams are going to look at is say okay this this guy is probably more valuable to the celtics than he could be for our team we have seen guys turn make make turnarounds in their careers people like jason kidd kyle lowry even even michael conley who have been poor shooters in the beginning of their careers and as they've gotten older and older and hit their primes they became good shooters and one thing that gives people hope with marcus smart is that he's turned himself into a good free throw shooter which is usually correlated to being a good shooter mm-hmm. so what that means for what the Celtics with the Celtics it's still unclear because for all we've seen he's not a good three-point shooter except in the playoffs which is its own other story but I do think what what this is going to mean for Marcus Smart's future is that he's probably not going to get the contract he was hoping for and for the Celtics it's probably a very good thing because now they might be able to sign him for a very very team-friendly deal and not something that I don't think his agent, um, Smart's agent, was ever ever saw coming. Yeah, and the free agent class is so stacked this summer. I, even those second-tier guys right beneath the top of the league in LeBron, and uh, you know, you probably put Chris Paul up there too, and DeMarcus Cousins, of course. The guys right behind them, you wonder if there's going to be contract money for them left over once these other big deals are signed. Uh, Sam Sheehan was taking a look at it on Twitter, and a lot of the league, maybe even some of the better guys in this league, aren't going to end up 
as highly paid as you would expect. So Smart seems to be the prime guy to really get cut off from that, which was probably what Danny Ainge was thinking when he denied that offer at the end of the year. But this, this season just continues to be such prime Smart, as you said. And you hope he's able to break out of that. Some people are saying it's the ankle turns and those two injuries he suffered early in the year. I don't know. I mean, I just think it's the form, it's the approach, it's the shot selection, as we always say. And uh, it just hasn't been good. It's been brutal. And you wish he could just key in on something that he's good at. I mean, we've seen him shoot decently from mid-range in the past. He gets to the teeth of the defense. We've always wanted him to become a better driver and finisher at the rim. But, I mean, at this point, it's just same old smart. So the guy we have seen really produce on them, especially over the last few nights, is Jalen Brown. Another guy where consistency is key some nights he's just phenomenal, and some nights he kind of gets taken out of the action. What do you think's been the key for Brown these last few nights where he's really stepped up as one of the better scorers on this team? What he did against the Warriors was actually pretty astonishing. I saw Mark D'Amico even tweet out that who, who was at the game saying that he had a look in his eyes that he's never seen in his career. And that when you watch— Durant was nuts. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think right now he's definitely playing with a lot of added motivation. And I think the whole theme to his game has always been focus. I think when he's locked in and he's playing with a lot of energy, despite the results of his shots going in or not, um, I think he always ends up being a, being a positive on the court. And sometimes I think he gets in his head too much. Like you saw that Miami game where he had a couple of costly turnovers. He was overthinking a couple of things. And all of a sudden he kind of outthought himself out of the game. So yeah. I think when Jalen Brown kind of simplifies it, he stays in the moment. He focuses on the game he can be an absolutely excellent player he gets to the lane at will he gets to the free throw line a lot he's turned into a way better spot-up shooter than anyone was giving him credit for throughout the draft process and he even you know against Warriors he even showed us a couple of like nice little moves in the mid-range so I think what we're seeing right now is potentially a guy who could end up being an all-star but it's all right now it's just all mental for him if he can handle that and he can stay focused throughout the course of the game, make it into a couple games and stuff like that, we could be seeing a guy taking a leap. Otherwise, you know, we're, we're still at a chance where we might just see a inconsistent play throughout the year. I love his two-way potential, and that Warriors game showed it more than anything, the way he's able to bring the energy from one end to the court all the way to the other. And the missing aspect in that still to this day is that ball handling. If he could just be a primary ball handler and do that all himself, You'd be looking at a superstar in this league. You really would. That'd be the one missing piece that holds him back in that regard. And there's still a long time for him to be able to develop that. But that is just such a missing link in his game right now. There's still a lot of plays where he's taking it to the rim and he loses control, which is still the one frustration with him and the one thing you hope doesn't follow him throughout his career. Like I would hate to be years from now still saying, oh, what if he, what if he developed that uh, facilitation factor? And this is something I asked preseason about him. Do you think it's warranted to get him some time on the ball in that regard? I mean, this year's been so much better than we imagined, but there is still an emphasis on getting those young guys up in their level because they're going to be key players even going forward over the next few years. you think some extra ball time for Brown's warranted, even though it's not his best part aspect of his game? 
I mean, I, I do think the Celtics can put him in positions where um, he could be going more downhill with the ball. So I would like to see maybe like more like triple handoffs and him coming off like dagger screens, things that put him in position to like get to the hoop. I don't think he's still ready at this stage to be bringing up the ball and calling out sets. Yeah. But I do think he is at a stage where it's like if you if you run him off some screens, you, you get him the ball and get him going downhill or you get him a shot open, he could be able to handle that. So. The ball handling, possibly, but I think that's still that's still coming along right now. So let's pull it back to this win streak. I forgot to ask you in the opener. Ultimately, Brad Stevens has been critical of it. I've even heard some radio personalities, as we know, love to harp on the Celtics, find any way they can to get in on them. And uh, they were kind of talking about the fact that this team hasn't I don't want to say gone through adversity because that's just false. Like, they obviously have gone through adversity at this point, but they haven't gone through a long string of losses, even just losing in general. I mean, the rookies on this team now, they're starting their career 15-2, and two, and they haven't had to break out of a losing slump at this point. Do you think they need that early in the season, or do you just get the sense that they keep winning and it's going to be completely fine and, you know, it's not really going to affect them come playoff time? Yeah, I don't know why anyone would think losing is good for people. I pers- like per- personally, I-, I don't have, I don't know how that makes any sense. You want these guys to win as much as possible. Um, I do kind of understand the whole thing of like, okay, like let's see how they like, what is the storm from like a from like a little two games did like, can they refocus and stuff like that? Yeah. But the only thing that's better than that is not going through a two games good and continuing to win more and more and more. So. I don't know if that's a real criticism. I would say maybe you'd want to see more offensive production, but in terms of them having to face adversity, like you said, they've they've faced their fair share of adversity. They've fought they fought like hell to get to this position of where they're at right now. So I don't I don't think they need losses to make them any stronger for whatever that's worth. <laughs> uh, Alex didn't like that one. Um, all right, so wrapping this up, I, what does this win streak mean at the end of the day? Obviously. You know, they have to play a whole season. They're going to have their ups and downs, I think. <laughs> I mean, at this point, like, there's just been so many games where I'm like, all right, this is probably where it ends tonight. Even the Hawks game, I was like, all right, after the Warriors game, Hawks have played them tough before, second time around. And then again, they go down 15, and they just work their way back quarter by quarter and dominate in the fourth. I mean, what does this win streak mean for them at this point? I know it's still early. I know the Cavs are struggling, and the conversations have gone where you'd expect that to. But uh, what does it mean to this team at the end of the day to start the way they have? It means two key things. For one, it's definitely confidence for these. We, we do have a team full of young guys who are just not getting their first round minutes. So, I mean, it's confidence for them, like for them to just see, like, okay, I can play at this level, and I can play and win at this level and that means a lot for them it means a lot for a guy like Kyrie's like okay I'm playing this new system and I'm winning and I'm thriving and it helps build up that equity of trust in Brad Stevens from the players and then secondly it's the standings that stuff it might not it might not seem like anything right now but the Celtics having a five game lead in the loss column on the Cavaliers could means a lot it's going to mean a lot in may and april especially if they go through the little two game three game skit and stuff like that establishing that cushion now could be the difference between maybe getting the first seed or getting the two seed so i think in in terms of building up trust in the system and also building up an early lead in the standings are what this one street's uh biggest uh boost have been 
Yeah, in the week ahead, the streak just might keep going. I mean, it's Dallas uh, Monday night. It's Miami on Wednesday night, who I feel like the Celtics have played well the last few years. And then uh, it's Indiana. It's Orlando at the end of the week. This really could go four more games. And then, of course, that Pistons game is one I'm really eyeing on coming up then. And then uh, in December, Isaiah Thomas is coming back. That's when I feel like it really gets going in the East. So it's been great to get through the early season lulls the way this team has, but there's still so many questions to be answered, especially for a 15-2 and two team. Thanks for, again, through some of them with me today, Alex. No problem. All right, of course, follow the Banners broadcast anywhere you get your podcast. Subscribe, leave us a rating if you would. Uh, we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on all of the podcast apps. The CLNS Media app's another good one. You'll get all your Celtics fill as well as national fill over there. And uh, there's a new website coming on that front too, so stay tuned to Celtics Vlog. And uh, keep an eye on Alex Hungu as well throughout this season as we go along. It's going to be a fun one, Alex. We're already off to a good old Celtics start. There's never a lack of topics with this team. Good night, everybody. Have a good week. Reunion Arena in Dallas, where the Mavs and Lakers are playing tonight, was built in 1980. Now, you couldn't ask for a better facility. It's easily accessible, has all the comforts of a theater, and there isn't a bad seat in the house. But for some reason, there are those who prefer the Boston Garden, mostly those who wear Celtic green. What is so special about the Boston Garden, other than the fact that it's a 1,000 years old? Let's take a look. <laughs>